Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Scholarly Communication, the podcast about how knowledge gets known. I'm Avi Stamen, co-host of the Scholarly Communication podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I dedicate my time to my family, riding my bike up in the mountains, and running my company, Academic Language Experts. Academic Language Experts, or ALE for short, is an author services company dedicated to helping scholars elevate their manuscripts prior to publication, as well as reviewing grant proposals to receive competitive research funding. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Alejandra Anzani, Editorial Director at Academic Studies Press. Alejandra oversees ASP's book acquisitions and works closely with ASP's other acquisitions editors. She acquires books in selected areas of Jewish studies, Turkish and Ottoman studies, Middle Eastern studies, and evolutionary studies. Her interests include jazz and sailing. Alejandra, thank you so much for joining me today. It's really nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Brilliant. Um, yeah, it sounds really interesting, a, a really fascinating mix of uh, subject areas that, that you cover, and I'm sure we'll get into that um, when talking about uh, the publisher itself. But maybe I could take you back just to start us off, um, you know, to uh, to when you kind of first knew that academic publishing was the industry that was for you, and, and what, what was there a particular moment where you realized that this was what you're going to kind of dedicate your professional career to? Yeah, so um, that's a really good question. Um, and I've always been in love with uh, publishing in general uh, since I can remember, really, um, as, you know, the thing that made it possible for me to hold in my hands the wonderful content that an author had in their head, essentially. Uh, but in particular, academic publishing, um, I think it was a moment, um, I did classics as my um, um in my uh, high school, and um, I was I was reading this wonderful um, edition, new edition of uh, the Odyssey, a critical edition with a translation and uh, uh, note apparatus, of course. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, for a book that is almost three thousand years old, uh, <laughs> the fact that we still need a new edition of it, and that uh, so many people work together to for me to have this wonderful book in my hands um, and you know academic publishing really is what uh, what makes it happen what, what made that happen yeah wow that's amazing I, it's there's something about holding that physical book you know even if we're very into ebooks and digitizing and that's all very important there is something about the experience of just kind of holding the book in your hands and looking at it and realizing that this was something that you created really from you know, almost from scratch or obviously together with the authors in collaboration with the authors with a lot of other helps, helpful partners. But to think about creating something from nothing is is quite an amazing, you know, yeah. sort of and really, And really publishing is the link between that uh, creation and the work of the academic and uh, and their readers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, it, it, I think one of the one of the things that I, you know, when you when you hear people from outside the publishing industry, kind of asking what publishers do, they think, well, because things are online nowadays, so that means that, you know, 
but maybe publishing is less necessary. And I, I don't, I think that's, you know, obviously, um, you know, there, there are a lot of important steps in the process that go on behind the scenes that people don't necessarily see. Printing is just one of them. Um, so even without print, there's still, there's still plenty of work to do. Yeah. Yes. It takes a lot of people and a lot of time and effort. So tell me a little bit about um, your role as the editorial director at the press uh, and kind of, you know, what that means, what, it, what are some of your responsibilities and obligations and how do you balance, you know, your time trying to collect in your areas or trying to acquire in your areas with, uh, you know, supporting your staff who also um, I'm sure have, you know, there's plenty to do there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, probably the most difficult uh, part of my role is that um, in I think in many other small publishers and independent publishers, uh, even the directors need to really juggle um, many different tasks. Um, and in my case, yes, it's uh, managing the acquisition strategy for the whole press and the trade imprints and the journal journals um, with and so dealing with all the other acquisitions editors and more sort of managerial uh, level tasks, but also acquiring in my own lists. Um, so, yes, I mean, it's, it's difficult, but it also um, allows me to stay close to the content creators, um, really, so the, the authors. Um, and have a direct relationship with them, which um, I think, in, well, in, in larger presses uh, at an executive level, you would lose. So, you know, it's uh, it's good and bad. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that there's something about, you know, when you're managing people, there's a tendency to kind of um, forget about the difficulties and challenges of their work. But when you actually do even a small amount of that yourself, um, it probably keeps you very in tuned with their needs because you're you're getting the same you know pushback from authors or you know uh, uh, you know publishing bottlenecks you're facing the same things yeah. that they are exactly yes it's all a very close knit team and I think that so that is a strength really it makes us work very well together. Now I imagine that um, some of our audience probably is familiar with Academic Studies Press um, and maybe have even published there themselves um, some of our New Books Network uh, audience. Um, but I'm assuming that, you know, there may be some folks who are not yet familiar. Um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, ASP. Um, you know, what are what, what's kind of the mission? What's uh, what's the purpose behind the work that you're doing? Um, and how do you how would you say maybe you're unique or a bit different from some of the some other publishers, some other commercial publishers out there? Yeah. So at Academic Studies Press, um, we publish, we focus on Slavic studies and Jewish studies. Uh, but if you, as you could see from my list of acquisitions, we've, we have expanded into other um, subject areas as well. And we're constantly expanding our, our offer. Uh, but we are proud to um, be focusing on Jewish and Slavic studies in particular, and our, um, the majority of our list are really on, uh, on those subjects. Um, we are an independent press. Um, and so we, we don't have any um, um, support or control uh, that is external uh, to us, essentially. So that's a good and a bad thing. Of course, we don't have the big endowments of uh, many university presses, for example. Uh, but we're also we can we're able to work independently, um, and we are a small team of. Uh, 
personable people and very interested, genuinely interested in the projects that we get sent, the proposals that we get sent. Uh, I don't think that you would get the same response as an author, uh, either by email or on the phone from uh, larger publishers uh, that you get with us. Um, and the fact that we are a, a small team uh, obviously has upsides and downsides, but uh, the main upsides are that we can work uh, more efficiently than larger teams. Uh, we are not, we're not as rigidly structured, so we can make, make decisions, come to decisions more quickly without all the, sometimes the bureaucracy of small, of bigger publishers. Uh, and also that our turnaround time is um, is much quicker. And we can be we can be more nimble and flexible to the needs of our authors. Um, we're also um, we can be more flexible and make our own decisions about the content that we want to publish, of course. Uh, and while um, naturally peer review is um, is really it's crucial to the content that we publish. And we're also willing to take more of a chance on younger, more adventurous publishers, sorry, uh, scholars, um, with, uh, with it more, uh, you know, new, newer content perhaps um, that many university presses these days uh, don't have the, the, the luxury, luxury uh, to be able to do. And so even content that is not necessarily uh, attractive for the general audience and doesn't have so much crossover potential uh, is something that we can we are happy to take on and we won't try to convince our authors to rewrite their books entirely to suit that kind of writing and uh, appealing to a more general audience yeah i think one of the things that i appreciate um about asp is that there are also some books that you know you, I would definitely call them academic and they're written by researchers, but they allow for a little bit more flexibility in terms of how you rigidly, you know, how rigidly we define what an academic book needs to be. And I think that's really important because there are, you know, anytime you, you kind of res are restricted by, you know, certain, whether it be, um, you know, a certain level of detail in terms of, you know, literature review or just making it, you know, pass every single test. Well, sometimes that can make it less accessible to a more general audience. And I've seen some really nice work from really serious academics who are doing really, you know, nice things, but written in a way which is a lot more accessible than your typical academic um, book might be. So I think that's, I, I don't, you didn't mention that explicitly, but I wanted to say that because that's one of the things that I've noticed about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, I think it's all part of uh, of making decisions that work for us and for our authors, instead of necessarily being wedded to a specific type um, of uh, of strategy. Yeah. Now, I want to talk for a few minutes about, or really get your input on, you know, what what should authors really be expecting of from their publishers? And I think this is a really big question. I think that it probably differs from publisher to publisher, um, and I think that. Uh, a lot of frustration can come from, you know, either the author side or even the publisher side when those expectations are not kind of communicated um, at the outset. Um, and I think in general, because publishing a book is not something that they're that you know an author is doing every day. It's you know at the most they're doing it once every couple of years. Um, I think it's really important um, to kind of uh, understand that role. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about kind of what should authors expect to receive from publishers or at least, you know, at, at, at ASP 
Uh, and what may be those things that authors should be ready to kind of uh, take care of on their own? Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think an important, um, an important thing that publishers can help authors with is uh, giving them some advice on structuring the book so that it's uh, clear and appealing to readers and is likely to meet uh, peer reviewers' requirements as well. So if any parts of the books are missing or they need to be developed, that's something that can be discussed with, uh, with your publisher, your, your acquisitions editor. Um, of course, if it's early enough in the process, that, that, that those changes can still be made. <clears throat> um, and um, scholars should expect um, their publishers to organize a full double-blind peer review uh, if it's an academic publisher. Uh, and there's really no getting away uh, from that. And uh, it's, not, it's, uh, it's detrimental to both the author and the publisher. So um, it, it's perhaps surprising, but many authors try to push back on that. And I think uh, ultimately it's not in anybody's interest, including, including their own. So that should be an expectation that I think all scholars have of their publisher. And uh, this is importantly only something that uh, relates to us, because I know that many of the publishers don't do it, but uh, copy editing is included in what we do. Uh, we do it in-house um, and we find that this works best for us um, because it, it, often authors don't believe it's necessary to have their book copy edited, but uh, I, you know, in over 10 years, I haven't never seen a book that didn't need any copy editing at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes, I think that it's a bit of a misconception. Either it has to be done professionally uh, elsewhere by a freelancer, but uh, I think ideally it will be done in-house. Uh, and that's the best way to have control of it, uh, getting it right the first time and not waste any resources. Um, and then multiple rounds of uh, proofs are also something that we do and it's very important to us. So the, the layout of the book is prepared and then the authors get to see it and approve it and many each make any changes to uh, that layout. And then again, this is something that we do but not all publishers do, uh, proofread as well, uh, which technically means checking the proofs rather than checking the language, you know, that's done at copy, copy editing stage. Uh, so that's just a, a term that I think is used differently within the industry and outside of the industry. And proofreading really is checking the proofs themselves. So in, in PDF format. And then, of course, uh, anything related to printing and distributing and selling the book and making it available on as many channels as possible. Um, uh, through very e effective marketing as well and the bespoke marketing uh, plan for, for each book. And again, this is not something that all presses do in the same way. Um, and it's a crucial step to being successful in not only in publishing the book, but also getting in, into the hands of, uh, of their uh, um, destined readers. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it makes a big difference uh, to, to have this step and, and get it, getting it right. So marketing and distributing uh, effectively. And it's something that, again, perhaps is one of the uh, values added of 
um, of a good publisher and that authors should um, pay attention to when they make their selection. So yeah, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about you know the different editing stages. Um, I know this definitely interests me um, as the you know in our author services that we provide. Um, you know, language and developmental editing are important parts of of our our services, and I know that publishers do that final review, whether it's the copy editing or the proofs, but um, but they don't they won't you know kind of do the the. And and they probably shouldn't do the heavy leg work of, you know, kind of getting the book into shape in the first place. So maybe you could define what the publisher does in the editing, you know, context and what the um, what the author should do independently. Yeah. So um, so before submitting the book, really, the the authors um, should work with perhaps with a developmental um, editor if they need to, if they can't do it themselves. But I think it's in general always a, a, a good idea. Um, and development editing is really about, um, about tracing the, the steps to put the book, the book together. Um, and it happens as the book is still being written, it can be done at the end. Um, and then content editing, is again you know checking that the content is accurate so doing all that fact fact checking which obviously the academics most academics will do themselves uh, but also ensuring that you know the best possible wording is used each time that uh that the book reads smoothly and uh, elegantly uh and so on and that is again not something that a publisher would typically do and it, it is not what copy editing uh, is so that's an important difference uh, to understand that sending a, a rough a draft of a manuscript um, is is not going to result in in a beautifully written book essentially and the copy editing is a crucial step uh, but again doesn't cover what I just discussed it just ensures that there are no grammatical and syntactical errors um, in the language and and no no typos and, and misspellings and so that the language is reasonably smooth and can be understood without problems uh, and they can make recommendations to go back to a um, a content editor or the developmental developmental editor uh, if needed and um, I hope I have answered that question is it's a bit uh, complicated complicated. Yeah, very much so, and I think I think I think the, the main the main point is is that you know authors should come to publishers they you know with a manuscript that's fairly fairly well developed. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you're happy to give insight and input along the way, but to come and expect someone from the publisher to kind of do that, you know, serious thinking and developmental work, they'll help you give you ideas, but it's going to be on you or you know to to either do it yourself or to to find some help um, along the way, and then and then the you know the publisher will make sure that they're not you know, that you're not missing out anything that's, that, that's important. So I think that's a good way, a good way of putting it. Now, maybe this is, um, you know, a good segue to talk about kind of the general publisher author relationship and how it's developed over the past 10 years. Uh, one specific example that I can think of is in terms of like dissemination of the research, right? I think, um, you know, and how the research gets out into the world um, or how the book, even once it's produced, gets out in the world. And I think authors, you know, at, at a time, um, you know, just kind of relied on publishers blindly, but now that authors have their own, what we like to call platforms, things have changed somewhat. So talk to me about, you know, both your expectations from your authors, but also your, um, you know, but also how you support them in that process of getting their own research out. 
yeah so uh that's probably something that surprises authors sometimes uh, how uh involved they should be in um in in promoting promoting their research and promoting the book that we published together um and in fact we are developing developing a more robust uh, author hub so-called and it will go live this spring um and it'll be a sort of uh portal on our website uh, with the comprehensive guides on how authors can uh, help promote their books basically and um, through uh, initiatives such as creating a, a social media presence um, Facebook and Twitter particularly or maximizing the potential of their academia.edu profiles uh, creating an Amazon author page as well because our books are also available through Amazon uh, and that's something that only authors can do publishing publishers can not create the author page on their behalf essentially uh, but also even for more adventurous uh, uh, authors perhaps uh, shooting a quick video to summarize the book and, and promote it um, and so uh, you know it, participation from the author side is is crucial and all of our best-selling books uh, have had some very uh, active authors uh, behind them basically and uh, you know Marketing teams are, you know, at least I can speak for my marketing team, they're, they're great at what they do, and they're really passionate about it, they love what they do, uh, but they're obviously, they're working across several different titles per year, especially in academic publishing, you know, they can get dozens of titles a year, uh, while an author only has their own book, you know, to promote, so they can dedicate a lot more of their attention uh, to it. Um, and, and they often don't have the resources to spend um, on the title uh, as well, in the marketing, a single title. Uh, and there is also something about the, um, uh, the message, well, the, the, an author of an academic book being perfectly placed to uh, advertise their book to, the, it, to its intended audience, because its intended audience is typically other academics and they're obviously directly and closely connected to them um, so whether it be through like listservs or social media groups and networks newsletters like lectures at their um, their, their institutions or even just uh, word word of mouth um, and authors often think that book announcements have more of an impact when they come from the publisher but uh, uh, we've seen better responses when you know authors provides that messaging directly to their communities uh, and networks because it's it's more personal and again it's all people the, the author as well as the audience and people that are really closely involved in working on that subject and not just being interested in it mm -hmm. uh, if that makes sense yeah of course of course and and i think that that's you know it, it can, you can look at it as a burden or you can look at it as a responsibility, right? And I think that, um, you know, it's it's important for authors to kind of take this as an opportunity to kind of think about, well, where are they, you know, most active and present? Um, and where are those places that they can, they, they you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be that you now all of a sudden become a Twitter star. Um, it could be something as simple as, you know, just being active on your listserv and your, in your industry and then sharing that you have a new book out. Yeah, even something as simple as having the title of the book and a uh, few options for ordering it on your email signature, for example. Uh, 
Um, and so it's basically a little bit of advertisement every time you email someone. Um, yeah, or even like putting it in your bio if you're on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, and, and very importantly, and not something that they always do is uh, telling their institution's library. Because libraries will often pick up at least a few copies and sometimes in multiple formats in print and digital. Um, and maybe, maybe if the book has wider appeal, even, even your local public library, you know. Yeah, interesting. Um, now, I wanted to ask you about uh, about like what other issues you oftentimes see. You know, we discussed the editing. Um, we just discussed, you know, kind of making sure that authors have a, you know, are, are spreading the book. What are some of the other issues that you would say, you know, kind of if authors are going to be reaching out um, that they should be prepare themselves for, that they should be ready with um, before they before they come, or even not before they come, but be prepared. Um, you know, to, to, to address over the course of trying to publish their book? Uh, yeah. So before, before submitting a book, uh, I would say, you know, just being aware of all the different types of editing and what, uh, and what to expect, uh, from your publisher, or at least discuss everything in detail. Um, and some, some of the biggest problems that I see, uh, in, in the manuscript that gets submitted is that they're not they're not really ready uh, to be peer reviewed often uh, or after peer or after peer reviewed um, they're not edit ready to be copy edited essentially so before peer review uh, that would involve making sure that of course that the research that the the scholarship is is up to scratch and that this your set something as simple as a set of uh, references having a consistent and well put together uh, referencing, uh, referencing system and bibliography is something that peer reviewers do pick up on, you know, uh, if, it's, if it's not done well. And again, many authors think that's something that can be done later, but this distracts the peer reviewers um, and really takes away from the book, the book as a, as a whole. Yeah. 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 I think, I think, um, you know, it's it's especially the references and the formatting are, are are sometimes things that can really be frustrating for authors and not something they want to address or deal with. And I think that um, you know there there is an argument to be made to being flexible in terms of not requiring one particular style, um, but for it to be totally inconsistent within the manuscript, I think is problematic as well. So it's a matter of finding that balance and trying to figure out you know how to do that. And and some people enjoy doing that and can do it on their own time. And then I think there are others who it's just better for them if they can to uh, you know kind of outsource that to you know to an author services company and and have them take care of it because it's not always something that you know it can be it can be dozens of hours. It's not something that you Absolutely. know everyone wants yeah. to be doing. And with. especially if the research has already been done over a number of years without. Uh, you know, the referencing system in mind, then it can be difficult and, you know, very time consuming for authors to, to go back and do it. But it, that is nevertheless uh, necessary. So, uh, but yeah, if, if it can be done directly by the author and there are um, editors that can do it for them. Yeah. Now, I want to uh, finish off by discussing open access a little bit. Um, and I was hoping that you could talk about a little bit about open access within the books and manuscripts context and, you know, kind of um, whether ASP has some sort of open access, um, uh, you know, process or, or option. Um, and if so, kind of tell us a little bit more about how it works and how authors can take advantage of it. Yeah. 
so of course, open access is, is not a new initiative, but uh, in particular in the humanities and social sciences, uh, it's only recently properly taken off. Um, I remember when I started, uh, we were all sure that open access was going to be the only way to do things within months. Uh, and that was you know, over 10 years ago. And uh, uh, I've learned that over the years, um, especially a few years ago, uh, we spent a lot of time explaining to authors what open access even was um, and why it was and why it was a good idea and in what ways it was uh, a bad idea, perhaps. And before even starting to think where to go and get funding for it. Um, so, in fact, ASP launched this uh, open access program. It's called uh, ASP Open um, several years ago, and um, again, it took it took a while to uh, to explain um, to explain why it would be something desirable uh, for for our authors. Uh, even when funding, when we knew the funding could be secured either directly by the author or externally by another institution, um, it was sometimes uh, you know authors were unsure uh, of it and didn't really see see the benefits well now things have changed and funding is more widely available and uh, and a lot of authors are aware of what it is and and understand uh, the benefits and covid definitely had um, um, something you know a role to play in there um, you know many instructors and researchers were uh, stuck at home and uh, uh, and often also met with digital content that they wanted to access but was behind a paywall. Uh, so to really, the open access issues was um, became much more much more evident. And ASP was really uh, ahead of the trend when uh, when we started compared to other similarly sized and even larger publishers. Um, and we are constantly adapting to the the demand for open access and how it changes and by paying attention to who's providing the funding crucially uh, and, uh, and what, what authors need uh, and want to publish open access and ensuring that the content is as discoverable as it can be. Because of course, it's not only about uh, releasing and uploading it somewhere and leaving it there for people to cover, but there is direct work that is involved in, uh, in making it discoverable and advertising it, getting it advertised really in a similar way to uh, books that are up for sale. Recently expanded the number of repositories that uh, our OA content is included in. And we would also try to make, to, to work hard on the, um, on our, the, our books metadata to clearly indicate when a title is open access and that all digital formats of the book are free of charge. Uh, not only the PDF, for example, but, but the, the EPUB, you know, and many other publishers don't do this. You know, they'll take the funding for a book to be released open access, but then not only produce the printed version, which is, is fine to do is something we also do and for people that do want the um, printed version uh, it's only fair of course that that should be um, uh, for for sale rather than free of charge but often books are made available for free only as uh, pdfs you know and but not as epubs 
for example. And libraries understandably get frustrated about that when they buy a book and then realize that it's in fact meant to be an open access book, but that the format they need it in is not available. Uh, so we work hard to avoid that. And we also provide analytics to our authors uh, on a regular basis. And these are collected in partnership with uh, Knowledge Unlatched Analytics. Uh, and I think authors enjoy seeing that, seeing the reports, and they can see how, you know, what, what usage the book has had and uh, geographically where uh, it's being accessed. Um, and if the book is not being, um, uh, being used as much as we, we uh, had predicted, these analytics also help us to troubleshoot, you know, why uh, the low usage, why we're seeing the low usage, for example. Mm -hmm. Got it. Now, um, Andre, I, I, I have some some more questions, and I'd I'd love to chat with you further. But I know that you're you're you know you've got a busy day. So if if anyone who's listening today is interesting interested in learning more about you know ASP and 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 publishing opportunities, um, is there a way kind of to 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 learn more either via the website or is there a way to reach out to you? What would you recommend? Uh, yes, there is um, a lot of information on our website, including a page dedicated to authors um, with all the material that they might need, like um, a book proposal forms and all the contacts for all the different acquisitions editors. Uh, but really, um, if if they write to any of us, um, they'll you know we'll be happy to connect them to the appropriate person depending on what their query is, um, and and can take it from there. Great, fantastic. And if anyone wants to uh, reach out to to me, um, you can do that on. Uh, on LinkedIn, uh, on Twitter, uh, that's at ALE underscore translation. So um, Andra, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I'm really happy that we had this opportunity. Um, I know that I learned a lot from just, you know, hearing about your kind of the publisher's perspective, and I'm sure our audience did as well. So thank you so much. And um, and I look forward to, uh, to continuing these conversations and dialogues um, over the next uh, few weeks and months. Thank you very much, Avi, and thanks for the great work you do on this podcast. Oh, pleasure. All right. Have a great day. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. Bye.